Hey, welcome back to Crimes and Closets. This is Beth in my closet in North Carolina. And this is Christy in my closet in St. Louis. Happy Monday. Happy Monday. How are you doing? Uh, good. I'm, I mean, I'm okay. Yeah. <laughs> You're surviving. I am because, so I went with my friends, my two friends to a concert last night. Mm-hmm. My friend's brother is in a band and they came to Raleigh. And so we went out and we did not, I did not go to bed till after midnight. Whoa. And my alarm went off at 545. And so I am really realizing my age today. Yeah. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> It's in my bones. It's in my face. It's like brain fog, all of it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well. I am tired. And I said, I just told you earlier, like, I really wanted to come home and like go back to like take the kids to school and just sleep for like another hour or two. But here we are. Here we are. <laughs> no time for that. We'll, we'll perk you right up, Beth. Don't worry. Oh, good. Nothing like a murder. <laughs> What's going on with you? What's new? I mean, not a whole lot. I school. Did you been paying attention to Britney? What? Britney Spears. You know I like to talk about Britney Spears. No. She got a stripper pole. Wow. You know how she posts on Instagram the pictures of her dancing? Mm-hmm. It's a, it's, she got a stripper pole. Oh, fantastic. I don't and follow her. I just see like what people like will yeah. post about it. <laughs> you gotta watch it. Um, it's not good. Mm-hmm. It's it's she's doing too much. Mm-hmm. Well, she's always usually doing too much. Yeah. <laughs> I also heard that she might be getting divorced. Did I dream that? Anyway. I don't know. I didn't even know she was married. See, this is how much I follow things. I don't know this kind of stuff. <laughs> Um, but since you met, mentioned Brittany and it made me think conservatorship, have you heard the whole uh, Michael Aher? Ah, Oher? How do you say your name? The blindside or, guy? Or, or yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Blindside guy. Those people yeah. didn't actually adopt him and that he actually was like tricked into signing conservatorship. Yeah. Well, that's what he's saying and he's suing right. them. And then yeah. he also was saying that the movie that he got – totally cut out of everything and never profited from it or anything Mm -hmm. like that. But Nissa, have you listened to them though? Because they're saying that they didn't profit off of it either. I think they said they each got like $14,000 or something like that. Oh yeah. Well, I, I don't know. I've seen bits and pieces. One was yesterday. Somebody like the reporter who broke the story was on, I don't know what news channel. And I was like, I was at lunch with the boys and I was reading the subtitles <laughs> or the closed caption yeah. as I was going across. And he was saying how they did get money. Yeah. But that they say they split it mm. fairly between everyone and whatever. But, and basically like his stance was, this is all for the courts to decide. Thankfully we have a court system. And so everyone has to prove their side of the case and the truth will come out and we'll see. But I don't know. It's, it would is, just be though. super sad if that whole thing that was such a like uplifting story, like, is what he says it is. That would be super. That sad he was like taken advantage of. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I, it's though. I think, like, the whole con- um, adopting thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, but when they said that he wasn't really actually adopted, I was like, I knew that. I felt like. So I feel like that's not new news. 
that he mm-hmm. wasn't actually adopted. And they were never really saying he was that they had adopted him. I mean, they yes, were they like, yeah, he's our adoptive son, you know, whatever. But they weren't saying they actually legally adopted him. I don't think they ever claimed that. Oh, I think they did. Did they? I'm I know in the sure, movie yes. they did. They do, but that's a movie. Like, right. not everything in that movie is one hundred percent fact. Right, right. It's a movie. It's a Hollywood version of his life. Right. So, like, okay, maybe they said in the movie that he was legally adopted, but I don't know that like the real life people say that. Right. So what is so? If that's the case, is he mad that they portrayed him as that in the movie as being adopted when he wasn't? I don't know. Yeah, I don't either. Like, I don't really get it. And why now? Like, that movie is the old news. Well, I understand. But I, I see, again, I haven't dug deep into it. I just, like, have been seeing headlines and random things. And apparently, like, something came out recently that he realized that this is what had happened. Oh, I see. Like, he okay. found out it was a conservatorship. Yeah. Recently. I mean, I could see them taking advantage. Right. Yeah. Because he was so vulnerable. Right. And so talented. Right. Oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. And now he's retired. Didn't he retire in like 2016? Right. Yeah. Okay. So according to this... um. He discovered in February that he was that legally he was not actually part of the Tui family. Oh, so he thought he was legally adopted. According this to this, like NPR thing, huh? So I don't know if he just was under the impression that that's what happened because he was so young and and vulnerable and whatever, and whether they full actually claimed. I don't know because it's not saying. It says like. That family promoted adoption for years. Anyway, it's like, oh, and now it says the Tui family will end the 19-year conservatorship. Their attorneys are saying. Oh, well, yeah, I guess they better back out now. Yeah. Back away slow. And I also saw that they're saying that Sandra Bullock, who played Mm -hmm. the mom, needs to give back her Golden Globe. No, that's I was stupid. Like, guys, it's not Sandra's fault. Also, Sandra's going through it. She just well, lost her husband. Like, let her I keep her, her award. I don't even know that. But that has nothing to do with whether the story was actually no. true. That has something to do with her acting abilities. Exactly. <laughs> so, I know. Poor whatever. Sandy. Like, that could have been a whole fake story. And it, she would have won. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like, I know it got attention because it was supposed right. to be this real story. Right. But anyway, like... No, I, I don't like that's that's false. Right. Yeah. Well, there you go. Anyway, There's what's yep. happening in the news. Yep. In there you go. Holly, Hollywood news or whatever. Yes. Pop your culture. taste, your taste of non-murder news. And yes, I guess so now if, we have to go into murder. I was going to say, if we want to swing that pendulum, how about we talk about some murder? Okay. All right. Here's my case. <laughs> So for today's case, we are actually heading back to the state of Vermont. Oh my gosh. And we're going to Burlington. What what is the deal with Burlington? <laughs> I know. I said we've covered several cases from this area at this point. It's very surprising because it's so small. 
And it's like one of the safest states in the country. And there's right. so many tragic things that not only happen there, but that nobody knows about. Is this one an older case too? It's older. It's from 1980. Well, and so I think our other ones were too. Ish. ish. No, the the one with the two little girls. That was 90s. Oh, it was 90s. Okay. Well, okay. So maybe it's safe now. (laughs) Right. I don't know. But this is a little bit off of our beaten path that we do on our normal feed. It kind of gives me, like if you listen over on Patreon, it's sort of Betty Williams-esque that I covered back in Mm. June just with like so much mental illness um, going on. Okay. It's not like that case. It's just very heavily influenced by like mental illness. Got it. Um, It was suggested by our listener, Sue. Okay. Hello, Sue. Hello, Sue. And this is the murder of Bernadette Lesage and also the story of Lewis Hines. Okay. Okay. So Bernadette Angela Lesage was born on December 18th of 1958. This makes her a Sagittarius. Okay. I'm married to a Sag. Ah. And they are they are some kind of something, I'll tell you. They're <laughs> very thoughtful, very independent, adventurous people. Mm-hmm. Bernadette's parents were Ernest and Albertine Lesage, and Bernadette was the youngest of ten children. Whoa. Okay. It's a lot. It's a lot of kids. Mm-hmm. Her family was very devout Catholic. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Bernadette, right. Bernadette grew up in a small suburb of Burlington, Vermont called Middlebury, and she went by the nickname Bernie. Hmm. Emery has an aunt named Bernadette called Bernie. You know what? Everybody needs an aunt named Bernie. Mm-hmm. Aunt Bernie. That is awesome. Yeah. She's pretty cool people too. Mm-hmm. Dang it. Wish my name was Bernie. Although all of Emery's mom's siblings are pretty awesome. So. And she has a lot of them, doesn't she? Eleven. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's eleven of them. <laughs> like our Bernie here. Yes. One mm-hmm. of ten. Yeah. So Bernadette was a very sweet and fun person. She was described as innocent and loving. She graduated from Rice Memorial High School in South Burlington, and she had a lot of friends. And she was a very active member of the St. Francis Xavier Church. Wow. That's a mouthful. So I think that's very pretty. <laughs> it is pretty, but it's Xavier. Like I want to get married at St. Francis Six Xavier. I didn't, I messed it up even. <laughs> I do feel like I, well, I went to a Catholic school and it was St. Barnabas, but St. Francis always has something else. I feel like St. Francis of Assisi, St. Francis. Oh, of, like, I don't know why. Interesting. Yeah. I bet there's somebody who does know. Mm-hmm. So this is really all we know, sadly, about Bernadette's past. So like information about her young life was just really never publicized. Mm -hmm. At the time that our case takes place in 1980, Bernadette was 21 years old. She had recently moved to downtown Burlington on her own and gotten a place. And she was working at the Vermont Student Assistance Corporation as a secretary. So this company assists students of all ages to save, plan, and pay for college or vocational and career training. Uh, Do we all have places like that? 
I, I mean, don't know, but this place is still in existence today. So if you are up there in Vermont, kids, and you have resources and you, you know, or need resources in this type of thing, you can mm-hmm. call the Vermont Student Assistance Corporation. That's very cool. Very cool. On Thursday, July 17th of 1980, Bernadette was working her normal job that day, and she took a lunch break with her friend, Debbie. I don't know if Debbie worked with her or if she met Debbie, but they were having lunch together that day. It was a beautiful summer afternoon, and Bernadette was wearing a lovely white dress, and she had the cutest little bob haircut ever. (laughs) I mean, it is cute. She and her friend Debbie met and laid out a blanket and sat down on the lawn of the Unitarian Church in Burlington's City Hall Park to eat the lunches that they had packed for themselves that day. Like, hello, wholesome. Yeah, no kidding. So stinking cute. All of a sudden, people saw a young black man quickly approaching the two women from behind with a large stick or rod of some sort. This man, who seemed to have come out of nowhere, Mm -hmm. began beating Bernadette with this object, repeatedly hitting her over and over while she laid on the ground screaming for help. Oh my goodness. Bernadette's friend Debbie ran away, also screaming for help. A lot of witnesses saw this taking place. So people who were in the park, people who were walking by, or nearby businesses like heard the screaming and came out. Several 911 calls uh, came in. Some of the men that were there gathered together and approached this man to get him to stop, and they ordered him to drop his weapon, which he calmly did and just stood there silently. How strange. So strange. The police were there within minutes, and they arrested this man, and he surrendered peacefully, never saying a word. Okay. Bernadette was taken to the medical hospital of Vermont, where she was considered to be in extremely critical condition and very unstable. Mm. Bernadette had suffered multiple blunt force injuries to her head, face, neck, and upper body, as well as defensive wounds to her arms and legs, and she had several broken ribs. She had been beaten with a long metal pipe and had severe skull fractures and bleeding and swelling to her brain. She was placed on life support, and ultimately it was determined that she had no brain activity. So the following day, her family had to make the impossible decision to remove their 21-year-old baby Mm-mm. from the machines, and she did pass away. Oh, gosh, what an awful decision to have to make. Oh, I can't imagine. Mm-mm. Also, what's really sad is that Bernadette's older sister had just died six months before from kidney failure. So this family had suffered the loss of two of their children in a six-month period. Oh, no. Which is terribly tragic. So what the heck happened? Who is this man who attacked Bernadette in the middle of the day in front of dozens of people and beat her to death? Mm -hmm. And why did he pick her? (laughs) Like There was somebody else sitting right next to her, too. Right. Yeah, we're going to get there. Yeah. This man was 23-year-old Lewis C. Hines Jr. He was fully cooperative with police. What was shocking to them is that Lewis and Bernadette were absolute strangers. 
Mm. He had never seen her before, before that day, had no idea who she was, didn't know her name, didn't know anything about her. He fully admitted to approaching her and beating her to death and took full responsibility for her murder right off the bat. Like, yeah, I did it. It was me. Mm -hmm. He gave a full confession to the police. So let's talk about Lewis and how he became a murderer. Yeah. So I know we don't normally talk about our killers because we don't. It's gross. Mm -hmm. It's not what we do. But it's very, very important in this case that y'all know what I know about Mm -hmm. Lewis. So this is where we kind of go off our beaten path here on this normal feed. Lewis was a 23-year-old African-American man who grew up in a predominantly white state at that time. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it is now, but back in the 1980s, it was. He was originally from Mississippi. His father was in the army, and so the family moved around a lot. When Lewis was very young, the family moved to the area of Burlington, Vermont, and shortly after that, his father was actually killed in the Vietnam War. Oh, wow. So as you can imagine, this put immense stress on his family. Mm -hmm. In 1977, when Lewis was 21 years old, he suffered from what he referred to as a nervous breakdown. He was hospitalized in Waterbury, Vermont, and given medication. He was diagnosed as manic depressive and kept inpatient for a couple of weeks and then released. Hmm. In 1978, the following year, Lewis was arrested for breaking and entering. At that time, he was found to be insane, I'm quoting that, and Mm -hmm. incompetent to stand trial. So he was hospitalized again in Waterbury and was given an additional diagnosis of schizophrenia. Oh, wow. At this point, he was put on antipsychotic medication and was hospitalized for two months. During this hospital stay, It has been reported that Lewis began having a sexual relationship with his male counselor, which is extremely predatory on the counselor's behalf. And I did read that he was later fired because Lewis was not the only person. Okay. Well, good. Because that's inappropriate. A hundred percent. And extremely traumatic when you're going through this mental health crisis. Mm -hmm. And it was also Lewis's first homosexual experience. Oh, okay. So once he was released from this hospitalization, Lewis attempted to rent an apartment in Burlington. However, his continued marijuana use and loud parties got him kicked out of this apartment just a few months after he moved in. And this is when Lewis became unhoused and was living on the streets. Mm, okay. He lived in a makeshift plastic tent in a swamp in Burlington. He wasn't able to obtain his medication for his depression and schizophrenia, so he smoked a lot of pot and also began using LSD to cope with Mm. his issues. About a month before Bernadette's murder, Lewis had become suicidal. He attempted to overdose himself on pills, and he also attempted to cut his wrists with razor blades. Mm. Obviously, neither one of these attempts were successful, and this led to even more emotional stress and turmoil. Lewis had started to become extremely paranoid, especially when it came to women. Okay. So he believed that women that he just passed on the street were judging him, 
or talking bad about him or that they had planned to harm him or like sabotage his well-being in some way. Mm -hmm. So he was very hyper aware of strangers around him and thought that they were looking at him and he would imagine that they were all conspiring together against him somehow. He's also diagnosed schizophrenia and manic depressive. He's unmedicated at this point. He's self-medicating with street drugs and marijuana, making him more paranoid. Gosh, I feel so bad for this guy. I know. We can feel bad for Lewis's trauma. Yeah. We're not going to feel bad for his actions. We're going to feel bad for his trauma. Yeah. Lewis's mother saw this mental health decline. So he obviously was pulling back from his family, but she would still see him every once in a while. And she noticed that he was becoming very paranoid and was just unhinged. Mm -hmm. And she made several attempts to try to get Lewis some help Every time that she she was told that if he was not a physical danger to himself or someone else, that there was nothing that they could do unless he voluntarily wanted treatment. Right. Gosh. That, uh, Baker. Baker Act. Yeah. Well, nope. yeah, we, we just talked about in like the last case that we did, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Or a few cases before. Yeah. So by July of 1980, Lewis's paranoia about women that he would pass on the street became so bad that he decided that he needed to kill them. Mm -hmm. He said that he felt it was the only way to keep himself safe from these people who were trying to conspire against him. He made a plan to begin beating any woman that he felt was conspiring against him. He went to a local dump and found a lead pipe and practice swinging it and hitting it against trees. On July 16th, so this is the day before Bernadette's murder, he had actually gone to the park with the pipe, but the only woman that he saw there that day was a pregnant lady, and he did not feel threatened by her. So he decided to leave and went back the next day. So this is where Lewis was mentally. On July 17th of 1980, when he attacked Bernadette from behind and beat her. Mm -hmm. He said that he believed that Bernadette and her friend were talking about him and planning to harm him, which obviously is completely ridiculous because they didn't even see Lewis. He approached them from behind. Right. So, but it, it just, even if they were talking about him, it doesn't excuse, like you can't attack somebody. Mm-hmm. in this no. way for that yeah. but it does go to show you how actually delusional that he was he didn't even see their faces most likely right yeah he, you know so when lewis was arrested the police found two handwritten notes on him one of them detailed his hatred of homosexuals and the other talked about his disdain and fear for women Ugh. These, they've never been released, so I I was not able to read them, but Mm. the way that they were described is that they were like, like hate ramblings, essentially. Mm. Gosh. Not necessarily coherent. Right. Lewis was charged with first degree murder, but his mental stability was immediately called into question and he was taken to the Vermont State Hospital in Waterbury, which is where he had actually been before. Okay. So Bernadette, sweet Bernadette, 21-year-old baby girl, was an organ donor. Since her older sister had recently passed away of kidney failure, Bernadette 
And what was really kind of a eerie premonition had told her parents not long before her death that if something ever happened to her, she wanted her kidneys to be donated so that someone like her sister could be saved. Wow. So her parents did allow her kidneys to be donated. They held a memorial service for her at the church where she attended and the community rallied around her family and loved ones. Lewis underwent extensive psychiatric evaluations and his mental health was in very bad shape. This is not surprising. It was again confirmed that he did suffer from manic depression and schizophrenia and that he did require extensive therapy and antipsychotic medication in order to remain stable and fit for society, neither of which he had been receiving. Mm. It was said that he was a walking time bomb. I know. That's what it sounds like. Yes. Because of this, it was determined that Lewis had been insane at the time of Bernadette's murder and that he was also not fit to stay in trial. So Lewis was sentenced to remain in the Vermont State Hospital to undergo treatment and remain removed from society. Okay. So this is in 1980. Lewis remained in the mental health treatment facility and cooperated with all that was required of him. He began taking his medication as prescribed and undergoing counseling and therapy. His depression subsided and his paranoia was under control. As the years went on, he became a model patient and was more healthy than anyone ever expected for him to be based on the state that he was arrested in. He spoke publicly about what he had done and took full responsibility for it, but definitely recognized that it was his lack of mental health assistance that led him to that point. He later said that he had been suffering so much that some part of him may have hoped that if he murdered women, he would be given the death penalty. And since he wasn't able to complete suicide on his own, this would be his way out of his pain. He didn't know, like consciously know that at the time, but like looking back, he's like, that might have been what I was doing. I will say that in the interviews that I read that he gave, although he does take responsibility, he's not super remorseful Mm -hmm. right it's more like well it just is what it is like yeah what led me to this point and this is what happened but journalism is journalism maybe it wasn't conveyed maybe he was sorry and it just you know what I mean but like Mm -hmm. I didn't love the way he said that like I kind of wanted him to be like I really messed up here and it was more just like well I mean you know nothing I can do about it now yeah, no, I agree with you that the way it was worded is not the best. Yeah, I don't love it. Mm-hmm. Bernadette's family actually spoke up over the years with immense compassion for Lewis's mental illness and the lack of help that he had been given over the years that led to the murder of Bernadette. Her sister actually said that if there was any benefit from Bernadette's death, It was knowing that Lewis finally got the help and treatment he needed and that his life was saved. So she's essentially saying that Lewis's success in treatment is like Bernadette's legacy. Uh, I don't know that I agree with that. Yeah, it's not. (laughs) You know what I loved about it, though, is the compassion. Well, yes. I would not be there. I would feel bad for Lewis's trauma, like I just said, but like, and I get what she's saying. Like if she had to die, at least he 
has gotten the help that he needed and won't go on to harm more people, maybe. Agree. A way to say it. Okay. But yeah, that's a rough one. Yeah, because I that that doesn't need to be her legacy. Like she she shouldn't have she shouldn't have died to begin with. <laughs> so a hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so here's when we get into a little bit more controversy. Uh-oh. After years of treatment, Lewis began asking the courts if he could be released from the facility and allowed back into society. Repeatedly, mostly because the public and Bernadette's family were freaking mad about this. Right. His requests were denied. So denied once in 1995, again in 1999, and then again in 2004. During all three of these pleas for his release, Lewis's doctors, therapists, and counselors testified that he was sane and no longer a danger to himself or the general public. Mm -hmm. So they vouched for him and said he can go. Right. Despite being denied release, Lewis was given privileges at the facility that the other patients were not. So he was allowed to fish in the pond behind the hospital grounds unsupervised. He was given a leave two days a week where he could ride his bike uptown to go to the bank, buy cigarettes, lottery tickets, and eat at a Chinese restaurant. Lewis earned money by working in the kitchen and at the hospital's cantina, and he even won $1,500 once from a lottery ticket and was allowed to keep the winnings. What? So this is all while he is undergoing psychiatric treatment. However, his doctors, counselors, and therapists say he doesn't need to be inpatient anymore. So that's why they gave him these privileges. I mean, I understand that. People can get well. Yes. Okay. You're right. Okay. okay but okay. But there's still controversy. So right. I'm just going to say, like, he brutally murdered somebody. And mm-hmm. I understand that it was because of mental illness. And so he can get better. I just have, I don't know, I have a hard time. But does he still need to be accountable? That's the controversy. Mm -hmm. So advocates caught wind of Lewis's success story and began fighting for his release, even offering him a place to stay. If you let him go, he can stay with me. I'll supervise him. I'll make sure he stays out of trouble. Eventually, the Vermont Protection and Advocacy got involved. So this is a nonprofit that advocates for the rights of the mentally ill. In 2005... After spending 25 years in the Vermont State Hospital, Lewis was released from the mental health facility. By that time, he had been the longest resident of the hospital. Oh, wow. He was ordered to live at a place called Chrysalis House in Waterbury, which is a transitional home where there are only two patients and they're overseen by two trained staff members 24 hours a day, seven days a week. There are actually several of these locations of Chrysalis House in the New England area. So okay. it is a transition. It's like a chain transitional home, if that makes any sense at all. <laughs> that I mean, sounds like, so strange to me. I know. <laughs> so Lewis was permitted to get a job and he was ordered to continue taking his psychiatric medication and continue outpatient treatment. He was given very strict guidelines of what he could and could not do. And if those were violated even once, he would be sent back to the treatment facility or to jail. Okay. Lewis Hines is currently 67 years old and continues to live in Waterbury, Vermont. He now goes by the name Lou. Bernadette's family has never spoken publicly about 
their feelings on Lewis's release. Right. I was going to say, what are they, how are they feeling about this? I think they kind of went silent and they weren't Mm -hmm. before. They were kind of like showing compassion to him before. And then now they're not, but it's Mm -hmm. been a lot of years too. So like how many of them are still living? We don't know. Well, that's true. Um, Bernadette's friend, Debbie is, I think still living in Vermont. She is the one that was on the lawn with her that day. She said that she does suffer from like survivor's guilt and PTSD. Mm -hmm. So, controversy. Lewis never went on trial for Bernadette's murder. Right. So he confessed, but he was never actually tried or convicted because it was determined that he wasn't competent to do so. And so is it a thing that you don't ever become competent to? You know, like, so now he's doing well. Shouldn't he go on trial for the murder? Literally my next sentence. So now that he is competent, (laughs) should he be tried? And so I what, say yes. Okay. <laughs> sorry. Well, sorry. okay. So let's say he is tried and mm-hmm. convicted. What should his sentence be? He spent 25 years in a right. mental health facility as a prisoner. So what would you sentence what would you sentence him? Well, and so yeah. No, because when would you, you send him that, to prison? When you said that. I was like, well, he probably would have gotten like 25 years to life or something if he was convicted. So would he have just been like, okay, convicted, time Time served, served. gone anyway. But would he then be on parole then where you're being watched? And is he being watched anyway? anyway. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. So I don't know. I don't know, but yeah. I, I don't know. There's just something in me that like needs a conviction for her murder. Like there needs to be justice for her murder, even though there was, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's, it's very controversial. It's real mm-hmm. sticky. I've had a hard time with it as well. I'm like, I, of course I'm happy that he has gotten the mental health treatment that he needed. And in that respect, they got it right because they could have just thrown him in jail and let him suffer with his mental illness and done nothing to make him a, you know, successful member of society. They could have done that. They did Mm -hmm. not do that. They got it right by getting him help. Yes. hundred percent. But yeah, I'm on your, it's like, well, okay, but how much do we hold society responsible for not helping him before and how much do we hold him responsible for this heinous, brutal murder? Yeah. You know? Right. We're not, I mean, like people are going to be one side or the other in the middle and all over the place. So you guys yeah. write in and tell me I had a hard time with it. I have a really hard time with people who suffer from mental illness and don't mm-hmm. get the help that they need. And I think it is so tragic that something like a murder has to happen. Right. No, to agree. Be like, oh, oh gosh, our bad. You know, like that's a real. It's just, it's heartbreaking to me. I hate it. She did not need to die. This man didn't need to suffer the rest of his life. You know, like he was mm-hmm. suffering so badly before. But it's also his responsibility. Yes. Oh my gosh, it's hard. It's really hard. Like this might be like the biggest, like divine yeah that we have i mean because 
yeah, you're one side or the other, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Well, no, maybe you're not. Maybe you're not. Maybe you're, you're stuck in the middle I'm... like us. Like, yeah. what the heck? <laughs> I think I'm in the middle. I think, I don't know. I think it's a real, um... you know, what's interesting too, and I thought about this a lot when I was researching this case, is that if it would have, so 2023, if it happened now, mm-hmm. what would be done differently? Well, I feel like his mental illness would have been addressed a little bit more seriously. Sure. Before he killed. But let's say he's an unhoused person and not on anybody's radar and nobody knows where he is. And this does happen. This Mm -hmm. event happens and he does murder somebody due to this paranoia or whatever. What would they do now? Like, what would that look like? Mm. Because it would look different. I I would hope it would look different. I think it would look different. And it's just interesting to think about like 1980, 2023, like, you know, it's a 43-year difference. Mm-hmm. Hmm. How far have we come? Dot, dot, hmm. dot. <laughs> this is a conundrum. It is. Yeah. So anyway, great case. Yes. Thank you, Sue, for bringing this to our attention. Certainly nothing that I have ever heard of, would never have found this. Very interesting to research. Yeah. I read so many old newspaper articles with beautiful pictures of Bernadette and her family. And it was it was a ride. Gosh. No kidding. And wait, did you say Sue, Sue lives there? Like in the Burlington Sue, area? I don't think she lives in the Burlington area. Okay. I think she lives in Vermont. I think maybe she okay. said she was she had lived in the Burlington area at some point, but no longer did. Okay. Either way, she's up there. Yeah. Well, and, and this that's is how why you would it. know about the case. Yeah. Correct. Gosh, yeah. man. That yeah. needs to be like um, precedent, you know, like in the courts. Like, what do we do with something like this? Yeah. Like, Maybe there is. I don't know. We could call it the Ber- the Bernie something. The Bernie Act. Like the Baker's Act. The Bernie Act. Bernie I don't Act. Know. Yeah. I'm so... I'm. I'm literally just like staring into space thinking about all of the aspects of this and yeah. where where you would should would go. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't have an answer. Yeah. But so he is out. He is living in society ish. Mm-hmm. Um and you know doing well from everything I read. I'm it's glad not that like on Facebook or anything like that. I can tell you that. So Right. Yeah. Oh gosh. Forget it down a hole there um oh i i did i went come come on well i'm saying like that could be a hole for him oh yes true social media oh right Mm -mm. um i'm glad that he has not gone on to murder i'm glad that he got the help that he needed again i should say murder again um i'm glad that he got the help that he needed i'm sad for bernie Mm -hmm. i'm sad for bernie's family yes And I really don't know what else there is to say about that because I know you guys are going to have to let us know. Yeah. What you think Mm -hmm. was justice served. Yeah. 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 Truly let us know Mm -hmm. your true thoughts because we're in the middle. So we're not going to like argue with you one way or the other (laughs) (laughs) unless you say something dumb. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, you know oh, what I mean. Because some people like oh, I do say Trust something, me. and we're like, there was no reason to say that. Oh yeah, <laughs> I send irrelevant. screenshots all, not all the time. We don't get them a lot. We don't get them a lot. <laughs> no, not at people. all. There are definitely times where I'm like, oh, oh, buddy. <laughs> And I'll say, can I delete this? <laughs> can I, can I, like, we're all, yeah. Can I just delete this? Anyway, but yeah. we don't get those a lot. No. 99.9% of the time, everything that you guys' opinion is so valid and intelligent yeah. and well-written and we appreciate them so much. So Yes, 100%. So, so do that. You, do that. You 99.9%. <laughs> let us know. You know, this is random, but last night I was trying to respond to something on YouTube, which wasn't bad. What I was responding to was not bad, but I was just trying to like gather my thoughts so that I could respond professionally and appropriately and whatever. Okay. And I, my littlest, not littlest, my middlest, (laughs) is there a middlest? There is now. Came down and like, you know, I'm staring into space with my phone, like deep in thought. He's like, what's the matter? I'm like, I'm just trying to figure out how to respond to this person who commented on YouTube. And he was like, well, if it's a troll, you send them my way. And I was like, okay, okay, Beth, send the trolls Xavier's way. He's got it. Yes. (laughs) Even want to know what he'll say. Good. (laughs) I don't have to delete his comments. (laughs) Did we just find a new social media marketing person? Right. right? Yeah. Yeah. You ignore them, mom, because they just are jealous. Yeah. <laughs> Jealous, oh Lord. <laughs> Sweet boy. Anyway, it's supposed yeah. to be. So we don't have totally, trolls. No, we're we very don't. lucky. We don't. We don't. We've got you, sister. Um, yes. Anyways. Okay. So thank you so much for diving into that. That you're was, welcome. Um very interesting. Hard to listen to at times. Um uh-huh. but extremely interesting. And like I said, I feel like might be like one of the most divided kind mm-hmm. of what do you do? We don't know. We don't even know because we want yeah. to feel bad for him, not for his actions, but we want to feel bad for what happened to him in his life. We feel bad for Bernie. Oh, and gosh, yes. What happens? Like what happens in the middle? Such an, so. it literally one of the most, like, I mean, all of our victims are like innocent victims, but mm-hmm. like, wow, this is random. Truly like scary. random, just sitting there enjoying your lunch, has never had a problem with anyone. And, uh, a guy who's loses their life, yeah, yeah, that thinks they're talking about him, which they're probably just talking about what a lovely day it was and how they loved their lunch. Yeah. Like, <sighs> anyways, so thanks for diving into that one. Thank you, Stu, for bringing it to our attention, because for sure, mental illness needs a lot more attention, and yes, it does. It's getting more, but it there's still a lot of work that needs to be done. So mm-hmm. let's get there. Um, and let us know what you think on social media. Come reach out, tell us your thoughts and come check us out over on Patreon. Again, I have no idea when this is dropping like I normally do. So can't even tell you what's been happening. August but we've got 21st. A lot. <laughs> we have a lot over there. We're about to come up on Survivor September. That's right. Oh if- man. Oh me. Oh man. Yeah, you Serial know, you killer guys... September and Survivor September. Their survivors yep. are going to be only over on the Patreon, but like this is y'all's favorite month. We'll never get it. <laughs> yep, that's what I was going to say. If you listen to our Serial Killers, we do Survivors over on Patreon. So if you've not joined, maybe this is the time. Go and listen. 
Go pay mm-hmm. your three dollars for the month and listen to all of the stuff that's over there. <laughs> Binge it <Yeah>. all. <laughs> so anyway, join us over there. Come find us on social media and just always remember the world is scary. People suck. Hide in your closets.